Chart Chat is a member of the Tiege.fm network from WTJU Radio. Find out more at Tiege.fm. That's T-E-E-J dot F-M. everybody. It's Monday, June 17th, 2019. I'm Tanner Green. And I'm Caitlin Flay. And you're listening to Chart Chat, your weekly guide to the past week of pop singles hitting the US and UK charts. Woo! What's new, Caitlin? Not much is new. I am officially done for the academic year. So I'm going to chill. Uh, Just a PSA to all of our listeners. At the end of this month, June, I'm going to Portugal. So I will report back with all the music news. If anybody's heard of Fado, that is like the Portuguese music. Super excited. I went out last night, listened to some remixes of Fado in the DC metro area. I'm just on a vibe right now, guys. Like my mind is international. Tanner, (laughs) how are you? Well, I certainly can't compare to that because the most exciting thing in my life is the new flavor of sparkling water that I bought. (laughs) That is mango lime, but actually kind of smells like body odor. But I'm drinking it anyways. I love you. In any case, let's jump on over to the U.S. entries for the week. We start right at number 99, where Shade debuts with Trampoline. Got Chris Young at number 97 with Raised on Country. Possibly one of the most bizarre single artwork releases I've ever seen, at least this year. Trippy Red, Enemy Arms at number 94. One spot above that, number 93, we got Ransom by Lil Tecca. Number 92, you got Bryce Vine featuring YG with the slightly bewildering La La Land. And then at number 91, you've got the even more exponentially bewildering Shut Up About Politics by John Rich featuring The Five. Number 70, you've got NF, his song The Search. And number 67, you've got Call You Mine. It's a collaboration between the Chainsmokers and BB Rexa. Number 54, you've got the lead single from Miley Cyrus's latest EP. That song's called Mother's Daughter. Though we're making some huge leaps up into the top 20. You got Cardi B with her song Press at number 16. And right above that, highest debut of the week, number 15, Katy Perry, Never Really Over. Caitlin, tell me about Will Smith. Oh, boy. Well, he debuts at number 95 with Friend Like Me as a genie from Aladdin. And then we have at 88, NF The Search. That actually was surprisingly good this week. Do like that one a lot. The Shores of Normandy, that's by Jim Radford, debuts at number 72, and that was due to the D-Day celebrations in early June. Number 66, we have One Asin featuring Youngin with the single Miss Diva. Ritual by Tiesto, Jonas Blue, and Rita Ora debuts at number 64. Let You by Cheryl, that was a highlight of the week, debuted at 57. At 56, we have the aforementioned Chainsmokers featuring BB Rexa in what I find tolerable. It's called Call You Mine. Tanner just vigorously shook his head. Not good for podcasts, but he did it, people. Another aforementioned track that's pressed by Cardi B debuted at 44. Mark Ronson featuring Camila Cabello debuts at 41 with Find You Again. And then we have Mother's Daughter, Miley Cyrus at 31. 
And we also jump up to the top 20 this week. At number 15, we have Mostack featuring Stormzy with the very charming, as Tanner put it, Shine Girl. What do you mean that Skepta featuring Jay Huss debuts at 14? And the highest debut of the week goes to Katy Perry, Never Really Over. And I think that's where we're going to pick up this week. Katy Perry, Tanner, back to you. How could we not start with Ms. Perry, one of the biggest names in the decade, and her sort of resetting her image, her music, her aesthetic, with Never Really Over. This truly is the year of the reset for Katy Perry. Uh, If listeners are familiar, I'm sure Caitlin is. Critics and fans were overall kind of lukewarm at best on her last album titled Witness. Witness's lead single called Chain to the Rhythm did debut in the top 10, but it didn't really stick around all that long. And then there were the follow-up singles. Remember Bon Appetit or Swish Swish? Oh, Swish Swish. <laughs> Love the production. I will, I will say that, but uh, that was most of it. And it seems like most people agreed because those songs did not even crack the top 40 of the Hot 100. And as things tend to online, the negative witness narrative kind of snowballed and honestly got kind of nasty, which then fed back into the album's commercial prospects and further tanked those, and it just kind of kept feeding on itself. So back in 2018 or so, Katy Perry took a bit of a break, took some steps back, but it didn't come long for a major label like Capitol Records to come a-knockin' and seeking a more reliable return on their investment because, again, Katy Perry, think back to Teenage Dream, one of only two albums to have five number one singles. Her only peer in that regard is Michael Jackson. It's wild. And if you go online, you can find plenty of speculation that because of the commercial underperformance of Witness, Katy Perry doesn't have quite as much artistic free reign on her music this time around. That's kind of a shame. It's kind of sad. It is. It's a bummer, especially because, you know, presumably, uh, well, let's just say there have been flops in the past and there haven't been conversations that immediately snap into gear about, oh, is she completely done for? Yep, she's completely done for. Let's never, let's never think about her again. She's awful. She's terrible. She's canceled. It's super interesting, though, because, like, it falls on the artist. It's not her fault. She had a whole team, you know? And then they just censor, just condense, go back, put in a box. It's, it's kind of fascinating. And frustrating. And, like, that's not to say that I thought Witness was particularly good, but I thought it was, per- I thought it was interesting. She was trying stuff. And without tipping my hand, that can't be said for all of the stuff that she's been doing this year. But what has she been doing this year? She did that song with Zed that was called 365 that one half of this podcast thought was excellent. And then she appeared on a remix of the Daddy Yankee track, Concalmo, which we did talk about. Caitlin, did you like that one? Because I remember quite liking it. I think you were more kind of indifferent. I was indifferent. So I like that song in the club, but just listening to it and sitting, listening to Katy Perry's voice in that mix. No, yeah, no. <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> Just thinking back, yeah. Maybe I'll have to get you to listen to 365 in a club to get you to come around. Oh, well, I have probably a million other things I'd rather do before then, but you know. Also, quick note on Concalma, that track is still at number 24 on the Hot 100 and gaining in performance as we speak. But Perry's one upped herself. She's immediately besting that chart placement with her latest song this past week, which debuts at number 15 on the Hot 100. Once again, this is never really over. I could try hypnotherapy I gotta rewire this brain Cause I can't even go on the internet Without even checking your name 
Starting with the positives. In general, I'm really into the production here. There's that really beefy bass synth that, I don't know if you got this association, it definitely reminded me of a similar sort of 80s throwback that you would find on a Carly Rae Jepsen track, maybe. And Carly Rae Jepsen does have an album out this year, dedicated. And I think as written on paper, I think the song is really compelling. Particularly the combination of the static repeated note with a lower voice kind of moving all up and down the scale. But I do have to note that that is kind of borrowed, we'll say, from what we'll call a very clear source of inspiration. Uh, These songwriters for the song we're about to listen to do have songwriting credits for Never Really Over. I'm talking about a 2017 song called Love You Like That by the Norwegian pop singer Dagny. Caitlin, have you heard this? I have not. Excellent. So we'll be going in blind. like that but i'm interested to hear your comparison because i don't hear it as much but in the katy perry like there's a lot more going on in the katy perry so what in particular are you drawing like parallels between the fact that you've got that one repeated note and then you've got the chorus will play i played the second chorus of both of these songs you've got the one repeated note and that's the first chorus or sort of the first half of the chorus, and then the second time around you've got the the lower voice that's going down and up There are other similarities also with the verses, but for the sake of time, I can't do a full, let's listen to them all side by side, but... Ah, okay. I gotcha. And it reminds me also, there's a New York Times article on songwriters being paranoid about plagiarism, so maybe the songwriters were like, no, I don't feel the need to put in a credit for this particular song, and then some label executives like, no, we need to cover our bases just in case. Ah, okay, okay. Like, it might be another, uh look what you made me do situation where they give songwriting credits to a sort of predecessor that's loosely related just to be on the safe side. Makes sense. But in any case, as for Never Really Over, I have to admit that the song kind of falls flat for me. And where that happens is with Katy Perry singing. I've been developing a theory over the past few years that Perry's vocal timbre is extremely ill-suited to conveying any sort of warmth. And this song is just one more piece of evidence to support my ongoing theory. When she is singing that chorus with that repetitive note, she barely at all varies her vocal delivery, and so it feels very almost robotic, which I don't mean in a pejorative sense, but it clashes with 
the overall tenor of the song and what the lyrics are trying to convey, basically that, oh, I thought I was over you, but now I'm not. Maybe we're getting back together. Oh, this is wonderful. But there, I, I'm not getting that warmth from the way she's singing those notes. I think that Katy Perry is so much better at iciness, at drama, maybe even a little intergalactic flair if you think back to E.T., which I still maintain is probably her best song. That's my Katy Perry hot take. But you can also look more recently for a much better Katy Perry song that I think demonstrates what I'm talking about. Caitlin thought that she was getting off the hook and not having to listen to any 365. <laughs> but let's listen to a little bit. Here's the chorus of 365 in what I think is a much better setting for Katy Perry's strengths as a singer. So again, you've got that repetition. There's a lot of that going on, but it's in a much more dance floor focused track. And I think the lyrical sort of concern with this sort of romantic obsession, and then of course there's all the imagery associated with the music video and the cover art about cyborgs and whatever. And I think it just works so well. I, I, this is going to sound weird, but I tend to associate Katy Perry's vocal strengths with Rihanna's. Insofar as I think they're both much better at being, again, kind of icy, slightly unsettling, a little bit of an edge, as opposed to never really over. And one brief point, I know Caitlin has some differing feelings on this particular song. I'd be remiss if I didn't whine about Zed yet again, treating listeners like we are absolute simpletons who are content to hear the same things over and over again. If Zed puts ticking clocks into one more of his songs, I'm going to punch a clock. <laughs> Maybe even more than one gonna clock. going to go insane. It's just so tiresome. Do you remember, I think it was last year, we did a podcast and I talked about how he's branding himself as like the clock DJ. Yes. That is so vivid. And he keeps doing it. It's borderline embarrassing. I'm embarrassed. Like delete the loop. Delete the loop, Zed. But Caitlin, how do you feel about this song beyond its, uh, its clock usage? Okay, so I agree with you about kind of the distance and the iciness in Katy Perry's voice. I don't know if I would go so far as to compare uh, Katy Perry and Rihanna, but I might draw a line of comparison between them in the fact that they're belters. They have a very, very clear vocal delivery when it comes to their upper range. And that's great. One of my professors in college, Dr. Mark Carlson, Google him, did a great presentation one day about Dark Horse. And we had a conversation in our music and modernity class about how in every Katy Perry song, there's this peak. There's It's almost like this orgasmic like screech that she does and it's at the top of her range every time like listen through any Katy Perry song and you get that never really over you do have moments of that I think 365 backs off that a little bit and that's why Tanner likes it that's pretty accurate actually yeah for me at least I don't see 365 as Katy Perry being like true to herself as an artist fine whatever this song reminds me a little bit more of the teenage dream days. So I kind of got in my in my mode and was like, ah, this is great pop. I'm loving this. 
So it is, I do play it in my car. I do sing along. I like the falsetto. I really like, like the, I sing the harmonies. It's a fun song. It's a really good, I think, transition into summer song. That's kind of my, my hot take. I think, no, I don't even know if it's a hot take. I think that's just an understandable take. You know, your feelings about Katy Perry are not likely to change with this particular song. And I think you're totally on the money in terms of being a very uh, teenage dream indebted song. Last thought before we move on, though, I had a friend who proposed the idea that this should have been a Selena Gomez song. Thoughts? Uh, Selena Gomez doesn't have a strong enough voice for this. I partially, yeah, I go back and forth. But the power in her voice, I don't think is necessarily there. I would love to hear Halsey sing this. Yes, 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 yes. I mean, I'd like to, I always would prefer to hear Halsey instead of Katy Perry, but yeah. Yeah, this is, and this is fascinating for me because I'm more of a Katy Perry fan than a Halsey fan, and I almost can't imagine her singing Never Really Over, Halsey, that is. And I would, I mean, I would love to hear it. I think it would be a really cool, like, acoustic Spotify session take for her. And we still have Halsey's Nightmare which is excellent, and I'm sorry for not talking about it on a previous episode. Anyway, we're going to jump from one imagery vamp to another. We're going to jump to Miley Cyrus, Mother's Daughter. Cyrus's previous album, titled Younger Now, didn't really have the commercial legs of her prior peaks, like Bangers and its songs We Can't Stop or Wrecking Ball. The lead single off Younger Now, titled Malibu, did peak at number 10 on the Hot 100, but just like Katy Perry's Chain to the Rhythm, didn't really have the longest chart run. And now, here in 2019, after a sort of country-adjacent feature on a Mark Ronson track called Nothing Breaks Like a Heart, Cyrus is now jumping back into territory closer to hip-hop. At the very end of May, last day of the month, she released an EP titled She Is Coming, which is supposed to be the first in a series of three bite-sized releases. And then if you combine those three EPs, that is her next full-length album, purportedly, which is slated to be called She Is Miley Cyrus, in all caps. So let's listen once again to the lead single from the EP She Is Coming. This is Miley Cyrus, Mother's Daughter. I am a long-running fan of elephants, and so I think it's only fair that we start with the elephant in the room, which is Miley Cyrus's sort of continual shifting of sound and image, which, at least anecdotally, if not also in terms of pop music criticism, a lot of people seem to kind of find it tiresome. Caitlin, how do you feel about Ms. Cyrus's overall persona? I will keep my analysis very short and sweet. I think it's a shame that she has a past in general. I think if she hit the charts and just gave us this without the baggage of Hannah Montana, without the baggage of even Malibu. Malibu, I thought she was going to go back. I thought she was going to go back to country, back to her roots. 
and I think a lot of people wanted her to. And I think she just feeds off of that violation of expectation. And I don't know why she needs it, but she is she is welcome to it. She can do whatever she wants. And I think that's exactly her aesthetic. And that's why a lot of people are angry. Because unlike Zed giving us clocks all the time, Miley Cyrus takes those clocks away. That's a beautiful way to put it. She takes the clocks away. I don't, yeah, I have such conflicted feelings because I, on one hand, can sympathize with the fact that it must be frustrating as an artist to feel like people want you to only do one thing if you want to do multiple things, if you want to make some weird album with the flaming lips, and then you make the country thing, and then you do this thing. I get that it must be frustrating to feel confined like that. At the same time, it's really hard to overlook, I guess for lack of a better term, the optics of the situation, where it seems from an outside perspective like, oh, whenever Miley Cyrus needs a commercial boost, what do you do? Go back to the hip-hop well, and then that'll boost you up, and then you can continue doing your own thing. And it starts to... We obviously have no way of knowing her true intentions and desires and attachment to hip-hop and what have you, although she's made some comments to the press that suggest that her interest in hip-hop might be fleeting at best, but it makes her look like kind of a dilettante who's just like, I'm going to dabble in this and then I'm going to move on without any real attachment to it, and that's where it particularly starts to get kind of dicey for me, and that makes me more uncomfortable because I think as a song this is actually really fantastic. Um, It was a grower. I did not know what to think, so I listened to the whole EP. It's kind of a weird mixed bag of things, but both this and the second song on the EP, Unholy, really, really grew on me and helped me kind of come around to some of the production choices on this. It doesn't feel like a traditional trap production. It's slightly askew. You know, she's not working with a Mike Will Made It on this particular track like she did in the Bangers era. And what you get is this really fascinating ambiguity to Cyrus's vocals. Because at least in my mind, she's a singer who, talking about Selena Gomez not having power behind her voice, I feel like Miley Cyrus's voice is all about oomph, force, belting, to use your term. But on this song and others on the EP, it's super reverb heavy. So there's this distance. And at first, I thought it was basically the worst possible decision to treat a really powerful singer this way. But the more I thought about it and the more I listened to the rest of the EP the more I realized it kind of works as this sort of, how would I put it? If you think back to We Can't Stop, that's a pretty unapologetically celebratory song. Whereas this song and a song like Unholy, it's more grimy. And I don't mean grime in the Caitlin Flay sense. I mean grimy and the kind of grungy and it's got some wear and tear on it. I don't know, there's something a little... I wouldn't go far as Miley Cyrus calling herself evil and nasty and a witch that's a little excessive but there's something weird about how her voice blends in or doesn't or kind of gets buried by all the other instruments or instruments and scare quotes caitlin i know you have some strong feelings about this song yes i really i'm not going to be eloquent i hate everything about it so (laughs) just (laughs) tick all the boxes that Tanner just said but for no in my column like I just can't I I just struggle to listen to it it's one of those songs that just makes me cringe like for a full three and a half minutes I don't like her voice I just I hear things and it like triggers me to Hannah Montana so like I hear her little twang and I just see the wig 
And I'm like, oh, what the heck am I listening to? And I mean, I just don't like the lyrics. I guess there's something in the water or that I'm a mother's daughter. It's very, um, it's almost like pedaling a bike really fast. And I just, I can't, I don't want to be on the bike ever. So I will give a shout out to one of my good friends, Claudia, who really likes this EP. Uh, She, I think, called it empowering and just like a really good new chapter for Miley Cyrus. She's excited for what's coming next. So I will use Claudia's words instead of my own words for this song so we can transition to better things. (laughs) Let's get off the bike. Let's throw the bike away or at least put it in the garage. Caitlin, take it away. Oh, yes. I've been waiting so long. Okay. Caitlin Flay's 2019 Summer Anthem is up next. What we are about to hear is Miss Diva. It is by all means the definition of a summer bop. And if you will recall and have been listening to this podcast for a while, Tanner and I were on a roll for a little bit talking about seasons and seasonal releases. And in particular, after re-listening to one ASIN's UK official chart debut, EIO, that came out back in June 2018, so same time last year, I think that ASIN has a really great knack for creating summer hits, and we'll get into that a little bit later. So two artists on this track, one ASIN and Youngin, they're both middle-of-the-road UK rappers. ASIN's from the north of London, Youngin's from the south, kind of cool thing going on there. Both rappers have appeared on this podcast before, but as features of others' tracks, if my memory serves me correctly. Sidebar, always a fan of sidebars, like Tanner is a fan of elephants. One ASIN kind of looks like a younger Dizzy Rascal. I watched a bunch of interviews of him, and I was like, oh my gosh, he kind of looks like Dizzy. So that made me really happy. He wore a do-rag in the music video for Miss Diva, the song we're about to listen to, and that was also something that Dizzy Rascal did when he was younger. It's just kind of like all over the place, and it picked my fancy. So like I said, this is only Asin's second appearance on the UK official chart, so he's kind of more of the up-and-comer on the track. Moving forward, I would say that Youngin is a bit more popular in his own right, So he's done some pretty high-profile features and remixes with pop artists like Jess Glynn and even Julia Michaels. She's extremely popular right now. And I dropped those in the playlist so you can listen to them on your own time. So going on to musical vibe a little bit before we play a clip, Asin and Youngin are suited really well for one another. They have this light, summery, kind of more pop-leaning rap compared to other popular... UK rap genres like Grime and Drill that we, or I, tend to choose to talk about. And if you want to dig any deeper, if you like the sound of what you're about to hear, you might want to go and look for artists like B. Young or Mostak, Kojo Funds, Young Bane. Those are just a couple things you might want to dig deeper into. So let's take a listen to Miss Diva. Flex. 
two freezers You're the realest one on my team Yeah, Miss Diva, fine for the best Items, we doing our flex Two freezers, you're the realest one on my team Let me hit this one time This one ain't no punchline yeah, you look like a magnum in a sunshine Let me melt you with a one wine She said, boy, you're so dumb At least your keys with it, she ain't linking no one Said she loved the bed, don't cut the bed Cause her ex-man couldn't grow one Miss Independent, she got her own crib Nails done, hair done, everything did Clean with the drip, she feeling the kid Holidays booed up cause she needed a trip Yeah Said G's don't cuddle. Back so big that it got me seeing double. You know I love my city, but you keep me out of trouble. You the law in London to my hustle. I love how you step. Miss Steve, I grind for the best. Oh, I love this song. I want to talk about the lyrics first. So it's such a great message. The music video, like I said before, does a great job with this too. Super simple concept and one that I think we should all get behind. The song is about a guy who's attracted to a girl who works hard and has her life together. And more importantly, he respects the fact that she's independent and isn't really looking for a man. Like, my mind shouldn't be blown, but my mind is blown. So sad. Okay, I have two favorite lines. It's kind of a toss-up here. So going back to what I said before about the concept of the song... She ain't looking for no man, that's old news. Staying home, that's a whole mood. Let's talk about lines that describe C. Flay, shall we? And the second line, who said G's don't cuddle? Oh, that's cute as hell. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) So just a side note, while I was um, in a dance club over the weekend, I heard so much music that literally made me stop and cringe because of how derogatory the lyrics were to women. I just totally think that we need more songs like Miss Diva in clubs because it might change the way that women feel. This message was brought to you by Seaflay 2020. Other than that, there's an excellent little vocal manipulation in the background. So these lines are kind of often used in drops in EDM songs, or if you think of a popular track like Major Lazer's Lean On, it's almost like a vocal line, but there's no lyrics and it's not a vocal. So it's just kind of cool to see that type of sound repurposed to fit in the background. And that's what you get with Miss Diva. There's a lot of things going on in the background. And I did one of the Tanner things where I made a list of all the different things I heard, whether it be a different rhythm or a different instrument or just a sound that I didn't know what it was. And there was a lot there. There was a lot there. And I would describe the production here as dainty. I don't think any element of it, including how the vocals sit in the mix and how they're delivered even, are heavy-handed. And Tanner, do not burst my bubble too hard. But I know you have differing thoughts. <laughs> I'm going to toss it over to you. I'm not going to burst your bubble. I'm going to watch your bubble float by. Because the multiple times I've listened to the song over the past week, I have been, I don't mean this as an insult, like struggling for things to say. It's, it's, it's okay. It's fine. Again, I, I'm starting to feel like I need some sort of an introductory course to this type of like music appreciation for Tanner, for this type of music. I just, I, I, 
can't find the right things to latch on to. Maybe it's too relaxed, and maybe that's just a, an indictment of who I am as a person, that I want my music to be uncomfortable and not dainty. But I like to think I have room for dainty things in my life. I want to like it. I want to like it. I legitimately don't have anything else to say. It's, it's pleasant. It's fine. No, and that's totally fine. I mean, I am happy, though, that you're open to it, at least. Absolutely. And I think in the past, when we've talked about artists like this, that are very middle of the road, like I said before, it's just kind of that little synthy bring, bring, like those noises, you kind of associate with like, oh, this is going to be this type of song, and it will align perfectly with what I have heard in the past. And to some extent, this does that. But the lyrics, there was, I, I don't know. And I latch on to lyrics a little bit more than you do. And we've talked about that in the past as well. But I was listening to this going, oh my gosh, this is cute. This is what I want in life. Wow. <laughs> so in that regard, I think we need more songs in that direction. But for now, I'm going to take us in a different direction, and we are going to talk about Camila Cabello, Find You Again. So I want to do two things with this song. First, we're going to talk about some theory, and then we're going to answer the question that's on all of your minds. Who the heck is Mark Ronson? Okay, let's do it. So before I start talking about chords, I want to prep your ears. So we're just going to listen to a clip. Camila Cabello and Mark Ronson. Find you again. I'll try to pass the night away with somebody new, but they don't have a shower and I compare them to you. It's too late, too late. Baby, I know I'll never find you again. Find you again. Baby, baby, I walk in the night, looking for you. Theory time. We are pretty clearly in the key of E-flat major here, friends. Or are we? I say that as foreshadowing. So the harmonic structure of this song is made up of three of the four usual suspects in pop music. You have your major four, your five chord, and your minor six. And they just continue to cycle through. Specifically in this case, A-flat major, B-flat major, C minor, and it just kind of very cyclically goes through all of those chords repetitively. Hmm. So nice. So why is this interesting? I was listening to the perfect fifths in the chorus. So da 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 da. So that's a B flat going to an E flat. And that kind of points more to that E flat major, the key of E flat major. But Cabello ends the phrase find you again. And that's kind of like the end of the chorus. So it's supposed to feel final, right? On the third scale degree, she ends it on a G. Da-da-da-da. And it's, it's, all, it's so off-putting. 
It's very off-putting for me. Third scale degrees are just like, they're not nasty. It's not a no-no. It's just like, why would you end a phrase on a third scale degree? You usually end phrases on, let's say, the first scale degree or the fifth, something like that. But she does not. Okay. If you listen very carefully to this song, you might be able to find a very distorted sub bass that gives us an E flat every so often. So you you never really get a sense of that first scale degree. I don't it's very weird. It was weird to me because I went through this phase this morning of like, wait, are we really in E flat? I I second guessed myself and I'm kind of a theory nerd, so I know this stuff. And I was like, wait a second, where where are all the E flats in this song? And yes, there are some sprinkled into the melody, but you kind of expect to hear a grounding like here's your one chord in pop music at least. One other thing. You might already know where I'm going with this. Tanner certainly does. There is one unexpected note in this song. Just one. Let's listen and see if you can pick it up out of this lineup. If you guessed E natural, you win $1,000. Just kidding. I don't have that much money. Oh my gosh, guys. Okay. So just that E natural creates a whole different harmonic structure here. There's, it makes a super spicy secondary dominant. It's a 5-7 over 2. Like I am nerding out right now. It's so good. You can hear the little synthy B flat on the top going to the C. Oh, yes, yes, Mark Ronson, you did it. Tanner, any thoughts on the theory or production related to this song? Not much beyond seconding what you have to say about that unexpected E natural. It's cool, it's fresh, it's hip, it's young, it's everything. It's cool. I love it even more as a metaphor, too, because you're constantly looking for that E flat. She doesn't give you the E flat a lot. And that's your first. That's what you want. And then she throws an E natural in and you're like, oh, I literally was in my car going like, what is happening? This is so good. I wish more pop music did this. So I wanted to lead with that because it's super exciting. But next, we are going to talk about the mysterious name that comes before Camila Cabello's On This Bill. That is one Mark Ronson. Tanner, have you heard of this gentleman before? You mentioned him earlier with the Miley Cyrus song. I did, but I believe he's probably best known for one Uptown Funk with Mr. Bruno Mars. Indeed. Instead of just talking at you, I figured it would be more fun to play a game before we wrap things up on the podcast this week. I would like to call the game Bridge Battle Royale. We're going to play some Mark Ronson Bridges, including Uptown Funk. And we will conclude the game with the bridge for Find You Again. We will rate, review, and then move on in a very rapid succession. I hope you're paying attention. Tanner, are you ready to play? Yes. So excited. Okay, this is bridge number one. Before we leave, let me tell y'all a little something. Uptown, funk you up. 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 Uptown, funk you up.
uptown, funk you up, uptown, funk you up. I said uptown, funk you up, uptown, funk you up, uptown, funk you up, uptown, funk you up. Come on, dance, jump on it. If you suck, sad and flown it. If you freak, dead and own it. Don't break about it, come show me. Come on, dance, jump on it. If you suck, sad and flown it. I'd give that one a solid 8.5 out of 10. Possibly a little bit too long. It might be due to the fact that I've suffered a lot watching white people dance uncomfortably to this, so I just feel like it's too long. That's all I got. Tanner. I'll give it a thumbs up. I'm using a different scale than you. A non-numerical scale. But a thumbs up. You know, it's a, it's a dance bridge. You strip everything back and then add some elements gradually back in to sort of build back up to the chorus again does what it needs to do. It's a great song. It's a great bridge. Bridge number two. This one comes from Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper, Shallow. E. Okay. I give that one a 5 out of 10. Obviously, Lady Gaga can slay non-lyrical singing, but I'm just not a fan of this song in general. Tanner. Gonna give it a sideways thumb. I appreciate the fact that it doesn't have Bradley Cooper singing. I appreciate the fact that it has this very kind of swirling, woozy feeling, but yeah, it's missing a special something, and I don't know what that is, but sideways thumb. Okay, Mark Ronson, bridge number three. This one is Electricity, featuring Dua Lipa. I give that one a 7 out of 10. Better than Shallow. Guitar is really cool, especially in the beginning of that bridge. But, in my opinion, not quite as good as Uptown Funk. Tanner? Gonna give it a thumbs down. I've always had a kind of hard time with Dua Lipa. This song doesn't, didn't and still doesn't change much of that. Okay, lastly, the moment we have all been waiting for. Let's listen to the bridge of the day. We're back to find you again. out of 10. This bridge is messy. I think it's covered up nicely by the catchy chorus, but every time I listen to it, it just feels like, here's a bridge. We don't know what we're doing. Find you again. (sighs) Then the chorus comes back and the world is right again. It's bad. And I'm a fan of this song. I'm a huge fan of this song. And that has got to be one of the worst bridges that I've heard This year, actually. Tanner. I'm with you. It's a thumbs down. It feels aimless, and it feels like it's just kind of burning up time until it can get back to the course, like you said. (sighs) Well, on that note, I'd like to thank you for playing 
Bridge Battle Royale, Mark Ronson edition. My final thoughts on this Camila Cabello song are not as beefy as those previous two sections. I just wanted to mention that I hear a lot of Selena Gomez in this and a lot of Ariana Grande in this. I would go so far as to say that Camila Cabello would be given a third place trophy. Like, I would prefer to have Ariana or Selena sing this. And I'm, st- I'm still a fan. I'm still a fan. I like her falsetto especially, but it's just not as close or as good or as, I want to say warm compared to never be the same. Agreed. If I may, I don't have a ton of particularly strong feelings on the song, but I do have particularly strong feelings on how bad some of these lyrics are, which I know is not normally my uh, area of focus, but I'm just going to read some of the lyrics from the second verse. Have mercy on me, please. I messed up to the third degree. This crush is kind of crushing me. I do therapy at least twice a week. There's a U-shaped space in my bed, always U-shaped thoughts inside my head, like I keep wishing I'd run into you. It's rough it's clumsy it's yeah but yeah it just got under my skin i agree i mean i do like the lyric if i'm going to go back to those ones in the second verse i like the you u shaped space what is it in my bed you shaped thoughts inside my head i thought that was clever but everything around it is very cringy i think it's nicely masked by the fact that it's in her falsetto, because you almost can't tell. But then she goes lower when it's you shape thoughts da 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 da. It's um, it it is what it is. It's just one of those things where I'm unabashedly in love with this song, and it doesn't happen often. I often feel a lot of pressure to talk about these things when I like something, and I know other people are like, "Wow, judging you." Not that Tanner's doing that, but yeah, thank you guys for coming along for the ride this week. If you would like to listen to all of this past week's chart debuts, you can find a Spotify playlist in our show notes. Be sure that you check that out because there's a lot of bonus tracks that we referenced in there this week. Also, if you have any comments, questions, feedback, or corrections, you can get in touch with us via email at chartchatcast at gmail.com. Thank you to Coronation Media for our cover art and intro theme, and thank you especially to Tej.fm for having us on their network. To learn more, visit Tej.fm. That's T-E-E-J dot F-M. Thank you again for listening to Chart Chat. I'm Caitlin Flay. And I'm Tanner Green. And we will catch you next week. <laughs>